0: Welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled It Starts with Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis.
1: Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. And today's clip comes from Rich Nair, who tells us a couple of stories, talks about ATP events, and tries to convince us that Germans aren't funny. Have a listen. We've been talking recently about the Atlanta event. And if we were to compare the Indian Wells event to the Atlanta event, we wouldn't really have to put in much argument as to which one is more successful. So we want to kind of say, how do we take what's going on aside from the infinite resources, because that's always, a, that's always a, an issue, but try to take some of the ideas from the Indian Wells event and your point of view from there to say, have you looked at the Atlanta event at any point and said, "Ooh, you know what? Here are
2: some ways you guys could improve. You know, <laughs> for these types of events, it's all about money money, money, money. How much money can you invest in an event? I remember the uh, as, uh, the, the, the WTA CEO, Steve Simon, was the tournament director at the BNB Pariba for many, many years. And I remember a press conference where he and the president, um, Ray Moore, were talking about um, the event. This was in 2000, I wanna say 2017 or so. And uh, Ray Moore reported that the year before, the ATP were coming to uh, to them for a meeting. And they said, we have plans for your tournament. And here are the plans. We'll turn it from two weeks into one week, make it a men's only tournament, and the women can play somewhere else. And everyone was shocked everyone was shocked and and Larry Ellison's idea uh, reply was over my dead body we <laughs> will now put 100 million dollars into this event let's see what they say then that's what they did they put a lot of money in it built another stadium and um improved this so much that people are calling for it to be the fifth grand slam now and um so it's money that talks if if there's money available in Atlanta, this thing will flourish or can flourish. If, it, if there's no money available, it will stay small.
0: So where is he applying the money? Do you say, to, you know, to, obviously you're a fan of bettering the fan experience. So where is he putting the money that people could sit there and say, okay, this is not, we're not getting, because it always comes down, well, if we, if we were higher, if we weren't at 250, we would get higher players. So what we're, we're throwing that out saying, it's really the fan experience. So where are they putting the resources to enhance the fan experience away from the idea of just making the players be the salespeople?
2: Yeah, well, the players, uh, of course, he upped the, the player money tremendously. But the fan experience started with the, um, the facility. He improved the facility. It looks totally different now than it did 10 years ago. He added another stadium. He wants actually the plans are to add a luxury uh, um, resort hotel on the premises. There, there is a. I think they bought the um, neighboring uh, property with the church. I think they bought that property and um, relocated that that church. <clears throat> so it's facility improvements and improvements in many other areas, like for instance the food and beverage area. It comes, of course, with something. I'm not going to write about this in the um, in the mid-month issue of Tennis Club Business that's coming out in two days. It comes with a one negative: the prices have gone up. Um, you want to park your car far away from this uh, from the stadium. You pay twenty-five dollars for the parking, then you have to walk. Um, the food don't think you can get any inexpensive food there anymore it's I had a I had a not so average um it was a um a fish some fish thing and it was nineteen dollars the beer if I had the beer with it it would cost me another fifteen dollars for the beer so um and the water the bottle of water was six dollars so it comes with some um Um, negatives no doubt about it I always all my life I have um, lamented the the cost of tennis in this country and it's not only the cost of playing if on a league or or anywhere or in a tournament um, and it's it's the cost of going to a um, big event but I hear now that um, pickleball is doing the same now the cost is going up so much it's unbelievable you want to play in the u.s open pickleball as an amateur be aware that the uh, the registration fee is 250 dollars now they're doing the same thing i don't know why did i start with pickleball
0: <laughs> it's a different thing but you're right i mean it's, it's they're trying to they're rushing it and they should probably you know that's what we keep hoping here is from a, a standpoint of a club don't make all the same mistakes tennis made. Don't you know here tennis is so free that pickleball still has some maneuverability where they don't have to overcharge to make any money because people do need the facilities. So it it could be a win win for everybody. Don't don't blow your opportunity. So it sounds once you once you start seeing the lights and start seeing the opportunity for professional events, you got to up the money a little bit to get the athletes that you
2: think are going to compete. But I don't know. Do you want to know the second unpublished um, mission statement of uh, Congo Sports? You know the first one, right? We uh, will be 10 times better than the USDA. That's the first unpublished mission statement. The second one, we will not play pickleball. And as long as I own this company, we will never have pickleball in it. We are toast. (laughs) There you go. So much for unbiased journalist. (laughs) Well, I like pickleball. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I don't play it. I have played it. I don't play it. There's no one in my area that plays pickleball, and I frankly don't have time to start playing with other groups. Uh, I have my own tennis group for 25 years now, and um, that's that's fine. They like the way I set up their matches. But um, uh, I have no problem with pickleball except for the fact that they should get their own damn courts, of course. But, um, yeah but uh, i don't have other any other beef with pickleball and many of my friends are pickleball players and i like the fact that they're out there playing instead of sitting on the couch and complaining about tennis that's going to be that's going to be a meme we
1: do with with rich's rich's head he's like no no no, no it's fine many of my favorite people are
2: pickleball players <laughs> yep i can still like you <laughs> I've been in the desert. When I stay in the desert for the BNP, I stay with a good friend of mine um, every year. And she is a pickleball coach. And she's one of the um, one of the first pickleball coaches and players in the entire um, um, Coachella Valley Desert area. OK, but pickleball, no pickleball for Congress sports or no pickleball for City Slams? no pickleball for conga sports and city slams
1: got it no just no pickleball it's just not what you do or because like you said you're not anti pickleball you just that's not what you do
2: no our low-hanging fruit and and our expertise and is in tennis and if i sell the company in 10 years or so and it will uh and the new owner will do pickleball fine no <laughs> problem Maybe I'll be playing pickleball by then. <laughs> <laughs> but but you and I will be living in Ecuador by then. Yes, Ecuador—that's the country to to um, to live in. And we're going to be we're going to be in Cuenca
1: with our own pickleball court. We will take over the, the tennis courts, and we'll be the ones painting the lines, taking
2: over the courts there. So where in Ecuador will you be? I'll be in the in the in area between Guayaquil and the ocean somewhere. Maybe at the ocean on the ocean.
1: So toward, uh, what's the name of that town west of Guayaquil? Uh, it starts with an S. Salinas or something? Salinas, thank you. Salinas. Uh, yeah, we've got family in Quito and in Guayaquil. I think most of the family now in Guayaquil, in San Borondón, just outside uh, one of their suburbs. And we've looked at the weather. We've looked at places we want to be. We're connected with um. My stepdaughter is the executive director of a nonprofit called The Promise Project, and they are targeting helping kids with kids in the Andes in an area called, it's near Riobamba, it's called Carabamba, uh, a little bit west of and which might be a place that others have heard of, which is why I'm giving directions. Um, but we're, we would be considering near there. And that's kind of a place that maybe halfway between Quito and Guayaquil. So kind of in the middle of the country there in the, in the Andes region. So we might want to be close to that as well if we, if we kind of have to have
2: to pick a spot. Well, you're picking the right area south of Quito is where you have to be. Um, everything else, there are strong tra- travel advisory to at the moment to go north. If you go closer to Columbia, exactly. Yeah.
1: But I think I like your timing of 10, 10 years from now. Like we, yeah. we're, we're pushing on Go Tennis. We're pushing on the podcast. We'll get city slams here. We'll be killing it. And then we'll do one event where everybody... It's a million dollars a ticket. We'll do one event, just like Steve Martin said. One show, goodbye. <laughs> you know, right.
2: I did one stand-up comedy once in Hollywood. I just one love one to night and my uh presentation was the funniest in the whole the whole evening. I got the most laughs and it was called Germans are not funny. <laughs> I I would I would pay good money to have that tape restored. I even had a heckler. He was
1: better than me. <laughs> Sometimes that helps. <laughs> Uh, so you said you wanted to talk about the tournament as well. And we, we don't talk about pro tour WTA ATP very often here. Um, much less of much of what California is doing, but you're a friend of the show and a friend with go tennis. And we want to know what's going on with you and what you're doing. Cause at some point we'd love to plug some of that in here in Atlanta. Did you have something interesting about the tournament that's going on right now? We don't usually have a professional tournament segment, but is there something on your mind you wanted to want to chat
2: about? There's some anecdotes. Okay. (laughs) Um, I've been going there for over 20 years. And uh, I remember in 2000, I think it was in 2002, um, I had this group in San Diego called the San Diego Tennis Network. 250 players coming together four times a week. And I arranged all those matches for them. I called it drop-in tennis. And um, so one day I said, let's go to Indian Wells and uh, drive up to Indian Wells for a day of fun. And uh, why not um, carpool to Indian Wells? So we had 11 people interested and um, we met at the Bobby Ricks Tennis Club in Encinitas and um, to leave our cars there. And we ended up driving in nine cars It's not much of a carpool for a years. That was my (laughs) carpool. That was Southern California. Tennis players, they like their cars. They don't want to give them up and drive with anyone else. Atlanta, we can relate. We can relate. At at another time in 2011, I think, there's another anecdote. I had um, participated in a uh, collection of used tennis balls. For a company that does that, they have these cookers, these machines that repressurize uh, used tennis balls. I forgot the name of the company. They are in Nebraska, I think. So they had um, this competition. If you uh, ship the most used tennis balls for free, by the way, they provided the shipping labels to their facility in Nebraska. The, the first prize was 16 tickets. For you and, and your f- best friends for an entire day in the BNP Paribas luxury suite. Really? Okay. The second prize was eight tickets, and the third prize was four tickets. I didn't know where I was in the standings. I started collecting, um, not only from friends, but I started collecting through social media. And um, I incentivized my tennis pro friends, telling them if you The ones who send in the most balls for me, they will get two tickets to this thing, the same thing. So um, two days before the event, the the number one was a um, a tennis facility owner here in Long Beach. She had three tennis facilities and she was sure she was the winner. She communicated to the organizer and knew she was way ahead of everyone else, 2,000 balls ahead of me. So I didn't know that because I did never ask them where was I, and I thought I would never win this thing, anyways. So, um, but at this this weekend, two days before that Monday, I started another campaign and drove around in my little Kia Soul <laughs> and collected tennis balls, and I collected two and a half thousand tennis balls that weekend, and shipped them. So I won the whole thing, and these these the the second and the third place. They couldn't believe that someone who doesn't have a court or doesn't have a club with courts would ever win this thing so 15 of my 15 of my best friends were enjoying a day of luxury we had our own sushi chef oh wow we had a, a woman walking behind us with the champagne bottle to refill the glasses whenever we needed to so that was the best thing that ever happened in the uh, in Indian Wells for me. Besides one other thing, um, the the tennis director of Indian Wells, uh, Tom Fye, who passed away uh, two years ago, he had a um, he was very popular and he had a a tournament he organized during the Indian Wells Masters 1000, and it was for tri level league players. At the time. 2009, 2010, tri level was started by the USDA in many or uh, all of the sections, but they didn't have a national path to championship. So this guy um, took it upon himself to create a championship and offered it to all the sections, and many of them participated. They sent their players um, to Indian Wells and they could play tennis uh, tri-level tennis while next door Rafael Nadal was practicing stuff like this and they were this was outstanding and, and he he asked me I was the coordinator for NTRP uh, for the USDA at the time he asked me if I could help him during this tournament and he gave me the most desirable pass you can have the highest pass in Indian wells at the BNP is called the Z-Pass. And I was running around with a Z-Pass, and which was great because the Z-Pass opened every door in Indian Wells. Every suite you could go in and, and eat and drink. Um, you could go in the women's locker room if you wanted to. I would never wanted to. And um, I never did, of course. And um, it was just the, the most interesting thing, running around with the Z- Z-Pass was... Just he felt like God, <laughs> or at least like the president or something. How is tennis in Atlanta? How is how is it going? the The world tennis capital of the world.
0: I mean, they're playing again. I think we're we're back, getting out of the pre COVID. You know, we're, we're, they they did take a hit during COVID, but I think it's it's come back. People are playing again. Again, I I I'm with you. It's, it's what's everybody's is trying to figure out how to make the game younger. And that's the, the challenge for Atlanta. This sec, The new generation, I've been here 30 years already. It used to be you got here, somebody was sticking a tennis racket in your hand. And now I think the city has grown up. It's expanded some. So we're, we're going through those kind of growing pains that it is, it is really spread out. So the idea of Alta, as we read this past, you know, somebody's driving 51 miles to play an Alta match. And it's just, you know, it's starting to become an issue. But I, I do think this sport itself, I know I'm busy as, as can be. I, I think that the problems we have with our professional event could could be solved with a, a shaded area, you know, and maybe not playing in, in the middle of July in Atlanta. You know, little things that could go a long way. But uh, and again, I think the good part about Atlanta is they got it before everybody else. They They made it fun. They understood the idea of a team sport, make it recreational. Professional events, you can argue how successful. But you can't argue, as you said, and and this is why, you know, the, the concept, you do get fans coming to watch Alta matches. So, and that's doing nothing. You know, if you had a bouncy house for the kids, you had adults, you know, something that they could be doing, make them a part of it. It's not outrageous because it's the core of what we're trying to do. Is use the commonality of tennis and create more social opportunities for everybody to have fun. So, I mean, you know, just because we got older doesn't mean we don't want to have fun. I still want to have fun, and uh, th- so uh, you know, Atlanta's always been a little ahead in that capacity. That's why there's two different hats. It's the the recreational side of it and the professional side of it. The good news for the professional side is we got eighty thousand recreational players. So, if you can get some of them to become fans, you're starting with a bigger number than most places have.
2: Shouldn't so. it be more than 80,000? I mean, I remember when I interviewed the president of Alta, they had like 100,000 players and USTA had 35,000, although they might overlap, of course. Oh, there's a
0: lot of overlap. And they're both lying because I don't think anybody's ever, either one of them's got this, those high numbers. So I think Alta's, always, I think they maxed out at maybe mid-80s. And then USTA has always been the, you know, the ugly stepchild. So they're always massaging their numbers, trying to get them a little higher so that it doesn't sound, but we have a flexible play league here, T2, that probably slots in between them. That probably does more volume. And of course there's repetition in all of them, but they probably do more than USTA for, you know, improving upon the little things, making it easier, making it a little more flexible being a little bit saying you don't have to be here at 9 30 on a Saturday and spend five hours. You can make the time you want. And when you're done, you leave. So, you know, they, they, they capitalized on it. So I, it all goes back to, as you said, and and I completely agree. I always laugh when we do pro-am events with our students, everybody, I've always been a fan of making them play and we would do a five minute exhibition. I'm like, guys, the people get the biggest kick out of the fact that we can just keep the ball alive. We're not doing anything spectacular. We're hitting the ball back. And if you can turn and look at them and talk to them while you're hitting the ball back, they think you're the Harlem Globetrotters. And it's like, we're not not recreating the wheel. We get in our own way to take ourselves too seriously. And, you know, we're big fans of fun. So we want to encourage the fun.
1: Well, one of the things we're trying to do is improve the – transparency of that. So when Rich, when you asked, you said, well, shouldn't you have more than that? Because 20 years ago, when you said you interviewed the president of Alta, do you remember what year that was? Was it, no. don't remember. Okay, so was was maybe 15 years. or so. Gotcha, okay. So we looked at the numbers. I think actually the last time we spoke to you, Rich, last year, I looked at the numbers and found about 56,000 paid memberships in 2019 it was the most recent number I could find for Alta specifically. Now, that doesn't mean there are only 56,000 players. And one of the things we're trying to do, we're going to do, I should say, with Go Tennis and the podcast here is we're going to shine some light on that. Where are the actual players? How much overlap is there? What is everybody doing here? And how do we get everybody to talk to each other rather than having it feel so my league, your league, if I win, you lose kind of scenario? Well,
2: at the time when I heard these numbers, I knew the. The um, USDA numbers from my work, but when I heard those numbers, I came to the conclusion that at the city of Atlanta has more league players than Northern and Southern California together. Probably,
0: yeah. There's no, there's no question, and and almost to their detriment, they've they've been really hesitant to go. I mean, as the, the suburbs have continued to grow, they've been very. Stringent about keeping their lines, they're just now starting to expand into other areas. You know, going a little further north than me. Uh, so you know, I, I, we expect those numbers to start going up again because they are just going to take on a greater
2: geographic territory as well. Because the city's growing, wouldn't you think that others would be able to copy what they are doing with the subdivisions in uh, in in Atlanta, the Alta people? copy it yeah well sure you can copy it but but no one does lose... see the i suggested that to uh, like the southern california tennis association the usda here oh you mean copy it and do it somewhere else do it in southern california because oh. yeah why not tennis courts are disappearing at an alarming rate the and, problem um, the problem there so is you the have the still courts? have their tennis courts
1: Right. do you have the tennis courts in every neighborhood because the problem with that is if you do, if, if the demographic is similar and the, and the courts are that readily available, then sure, I don't know why it wouldn't work. But a lot of people want to do it in an area where everything's a private club or a public park. And if you don't have those, what do we have, Bobby, maybe 600 neighborhood facilities, just the two court facilities, that really is just, from what we can tell, different from anywhere else.
2: Yeah. Well, I suggested that long ago to the Southern California tennis people. But they don't well, know. It goes, they and it don't.
0: absolutely goes to what you're talking about. Is it uh, I'm going to use the word again, pickleball, real quick. I have a friend who's doing local tournaments at pickleball, and the, the sponsors he's bringing out are the local contractors, the local real estate agents, the local guy who come in and do your bathroom, who will add an extension on because they get immediate turnaround, and they actually can go, yo, know, hey, they go out, they do the activation, and we're gonna go to your house and we're gonna do the measurements all in one, because it's it's that directly tangible. Where again, and you got to give Atlanta was just a perfect storm when it came to to tennis, and I mean, Alta actually started in the 70s and you know the the league itself and it grew a little bit and then when the explosion happened in the early 90s it was ready the the developers to their credit bought in wholeheartedly and said hey there's something to this we're going to build every subdivision with at least two lighted tennis courts and a bathroom so you're so you can play alta here and it just Grew incredibly. You know, you had everything online, and again, 20 years ago when we were doing it, it was, it was a lot like what you're talking about with your with the the, the league. You just had little, a lot of smaller guys. You weren't worried about a car sponsor or a, a Verizon, or anything. there was plenty enough to do with people that was directly tangible that had some stake in improving the neighborhood. So it was easy back then, and the developers got it to their credit. You know, they they got it and they cuz like you said it, is it more beneficial for them to take those 6 tennis courts or I had 12 I have 12 tennis courts in my facility. You know, that could have been 3 4 more houses, probably more money for them mm-hmm. in the short term to put the four houses up, but do you sell the other 1000 homes that you had without the amenity package that you created for
2: them that is essentially a country club. What did you say earlier that people were Putting a tennis racket in your hands. Oh yeah, they just put a tennis. I mean, here you you want to get
0: to know people in Atlanta. Here, it's take a tennis racket. That's the quickest entryway. That was your social.
2: And today, is a pickleball paddle. They put it in your hands.
0: You're right. That is. It's exactly. And it's 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 such a different demographic. Now you know. It can only speak to here. But I'm really surprised. Of, of yes, everybody immediately jumps to the older folks. But where we really, I see a big influx is the young, high school kids that want to go out they hang out with their it's almost like pickup basketball when i was growing up you know it was it's cheap it you don't have to be real good or you can be a lot better than you think you are and you know go out and run, you know do running commentary do some trash talking and just have some fun and the, and the courts are there you know they're already available for you because we had the tennis courts so uh, that is a surprise to me how much the younger kids have taken to it and that'll be the challenge to the future of Alta in Atlanta is that that generation of high school kids, you know, if they relocate, if they come back here after college, their Doctrination is now going to be pickleball. Do they gravitate to tennis or, you know, what, how does tennis deal with that 10 years from now? So that'll be to me, the interesting challenge to tennis In is in 10 years when this first generation of pickleball is now coming back to work in the Metro area, not just, go to school and, you know, do what's associated with being a student.
1: Uh, hey, Rich, I want two last things from you. One, I need a men's winner of Indian Wells pick and a women's pick for Indian Wells. You'll be our first. We've got to pick winners of a tournament. This is our new segment. We may only do it once.
2: Yeah. I want uh, Taylor Fritz to win again. Okay. Period. He is in, in his prime and he is hard to beat right now, when, uh, especially when Dokovic is not there. Um, On the women's side, I'd love for Coco Gauf to go much deeper into the tournament, but I doubt that she will uh, be able to um, beat Iga, not at this point. Uh, So my money is on Iga Sviatek again.
1: Well, there you have it. We want to thank Rejuvenate for use of the studio. And be sure to hit that follow button. Also, we've been nominated for a podcast award, the Best Tennis Podcast. For more about that, check the show notes. And with that, we're out. See you next time.